What's up, NBA fans? Welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press, brought to you by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and joining me tonight is Luke Alves. Luke, what's up, man? Hey, man, glad to be back. Glad to be back on the show and talk some basketball again. Hell yeah, man, and uh, this should be a fun show for you, um, being that your Boston Celtics uh, were able to wrap it up in Game 5. Dude, they look... They looked so good down the stretch of that game. Um, there was there was moments where Philly had a chance to like seize control of that game and push it and take it back to Philadelphia. And if they do that, like who knows? Because if you t- if you're going back to Philly having won two in a row, you're playing at home. You know, you, you push it to Game Seven, and then you know anything can happen in a Game Seven. It doesn't matter how the six prior games shook out. But credit to Credit to the Celtics. Big. I want to give big props to Al Horford. I I can't even remember how many times he just bodied inside, and then he's got that little. It's not really a hook shot, but like where he just hits somebody with his body and then flips the basketball up towards the basket, and it goes in like ninety percent of the time. I don't remember him doing that shit when he was in Atlanta. FYI, um, but. Uh, but no, I mean he he played great down the stretch. Terry Rozier was much more consistent in this series. I think he only had one game, uh, and it was Game Four actually, where he he kind of struggled. Um, so I mean he he played just solid even on the road in this series, and was a big part of why they uh, were able to win Game Three. And you know, frankly, uh, you know all of their guys just stepped up. Smart was smart was solid. I mean he's. He was the guy, um, or no, I think it was actually Rozier who made that strip on Embiid at the end of the game and ended up knocking off his leg and going out of bounds, which pretty much clinched the game. I mean, there was, at that point, 10 seconds left. Boston's up by two, um, and that and that was pretty much it. Um, but uh, just your general thoughts on the series and, you know, any, any, the players that you, you thought made the difference on either side. Oh, no, man. I mean, I'm ecstatic. I mean, like you said, I mean, huge Celtics fan. To be able to see them go against the Sixers team, which a lot of people at the time, the Sixers have been playing great basketball, what they did to the Heat mm-hmm. even before that in the playoffs. They've been playing great. So just a lot of teams just thought, you know, Celtics being depleted, they would run into a little bit of trouble with the Sixers team that's rolling right now. But like you said, man, everyone everyone really stepped up this series. I mean, Al Horford. That shot that you're talking about, I mean, right as you were saying it, I can just see him, like, that's a shot. That's the Horford shot. It's like, he jumps in midair, and then he throws it down at the – it's weird. It's not a hook, but it's like, he's just like, there it is. There's the basket. It's it's a shot. But, I mean, Al's been doing this. I mean, yeah, uh, he didn't have that shot. But, I mean, I remember the Hawks one year, it was a late game situation, and they didn't draw the play up to Al, but he went and bodied up and got the rebound and, like, put it right back in for the win. So, like, Al's a smart player. Like, he knows how to play his body because he's not the biggest person because he can yeah. run into mismatches with a throw and beat, but he definitely knows how to play his body and the angles. He's very good, like, at that. So, like, he's very smart whenever we draw up the plays. I mean, there was the one play, I, I want to say it was game three when we won it, when they threw it. He got the mismatch on uh, – it was either T.J. McCollum and J.J. Reddick got stuck on him, and they just threw it up, and he just completely bodied, yeah. and he just laid it right up, and it was just like they just the spacing that you have to to give, and then you just you also have to just like realize that 
Brad Stevens is just a master. Him being able to drop those plays for Horper, too. I mean, I want to say that hook shot that he did to get us within four last game, Stevens somehow drew up a play where he had all of our players get their whole rest of the defense, like, to the foul line and up. So the, yeah. the, everything was open. The C was open for Al to go down, back down, uh, smaller, uh, sorry, Covington. and use his Covington body. Covington was on and, him, and he was trying to front him to prevent him from oh, getting the ball. Uh, I, know exactly, I know exactly what play you're talking about. Yeah, that was that Yeah, was and he just totally saw the well mismatch, and he just get, yeah, just like, that's just Steven just doing just a masterful job, just really just knows how to draw plays for any player, just knows, like, he almost knows what the other team's going to do, so he's drawing a play on how they're going to counter his first play. So he's drawing up two different plays. He's like, okay, check it, guys. This is our first play. It's how they're going to counteract it. This is our real play, and this is how we're going to work it. It's just like, I don't understand it sometimes, man. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, and then you go to Terry Rozier, who just, again, is just really showing that he's a good household name. I mean, really stepping up when we need it. I mean, running to a Shane Larkin, getting injured, so we're even more deploying at the point guard position. And he just really just showed that he's handling the ball really well, just can maintain the game. Just He hits timely threes. He played a lot better in the road for this series than against Milwaukee, too, because Milwaukee, is, yeah. he did a lot more at the home games and not on the way games, but he just played all around. I mean, there was one point in the series that he went 104 minutes without turning over the ball. Yeah. That's just um, great. I mean, come on. That's what you want out of your point guard right there. I mean, 104 mm-hmm. That's minutes Chris Paul without right you there. have not even turned over the ball, and his turnover was a dumb little chippy technical foul with Embiid. So just yep. like, of course, that, that, that was his little – that's one that like broke the record, but, you know, just playing great and then <laughs> – Kind of laughing about him beats, uh, cracking me up that um, game four when they won and he was tapping his head to Marcus uh, Marcus Morris being like when they got when we got in all that technical problem we got two texts back to back and he's like you got to keep your head in Morris was just giving him the three zero and it kept yeah, flashing on his I head like it. reminding him. <clears throat> yeah, I wish I, Morris I was it. out there yesterday when Embiid kind of lost his head in the third quarter. I mean. If you look at it, that technical is big. I mean, yeah, it's in the third quarter. It doesn't mean a lot to the game. But then again, something's only – we only win really by a possession. You know, you got to look at everything, the thin lines in, and be losing his head in the that third quarter and, and just getting a really dumb tech on with Aaron Baines, just yeah. pushing someone. I mean, come on, I mean, you should know better. I was yep. hoping I – I was with my dad watching the game. I was like, oh, man, is, is Marcus Morris and- out on the court? Because if I was Marcus Morris – I would have went right up to Embiid and just tapped my head and be like, man, you cannot say that right now. I would have just been tapping my head the whole time. Like, bro, you got to keep your head if you're trying to – we're to three, three Bain, one right now. Yeah, not to mention Baines sold that perfectly. Oh, 100%. Like, he, but, he, didn't, he didn't overdo it. Like, it, it's not something where he's going to, like, get fined by, by the rest for, like, flopping. But he sold it enough to where the refs had to take notice of it, and then it was like, it, I mean, it was it was it was pretty clear like they're gonna call a technical on that, like you know they're gonna call a technical on that. So like I couldn't even be mad. I mean, I was I was kind of frustrated. My uh, my neighbors were watching the game, and I walked out on my my uh, my porch, and I was 
smoking a cigarette and they were like, Oh man, that's a flop. And I was like, yeah, but it, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't as much of a flop as it was just a great sell. Like, you know, um, but yeah, like, I, and you know what? Also props to Aaron Baines, man. Aaron Baines played some big minutes in this game, hit some clutch corner threes. Um, and you know, I, I feel like, you know, we haven't even mentioned him yet. Uh, I saw a stat line today that said, um, first of all, Jason Tatum scored 118 points in the second round venture. Um, that is more than three out of the last four years of all rookies combined in the, in second round games. Like let that sink in. Like, I didn't, I didn't know that. I've seen another one that I had, but I didn't know that. That's crazy right yeah. there. That, like, there was one one year, I want to say it was two years ago, where the rookies combined for, like, 127 or something like that, or maybe it was 137. I don't know. I don't have the graphic in front of me. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, like, he scored 118 points. And, like, here's the thing. It's not like this was a seven-game series. He scored 118 points in five fucking games. Like, if if this had gone six or seven, he would have more than I'm, – I'm sure you could, you'd have to go back a long way to find, uh, you know, a, a group of, of collective second-round rookies who had more points than him. Um, so, like, yeah, that, that stat line blew me away. He was great in this series. Um, like, just all around, man, they just – Boston just – they they were better coached. They were uh, more defensively sound. Um, they were they they played like they had been there before because of course they have been there before. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just you know I I was you know I was really mad after game two because I you know the refing wasn't great and you know Brett Brett Brown coached like an idiot and like let. <laughs> Let a 22 lead evap- 22 point lead evaporate down to four, and never took a timeout, and they went into halftime, um, and and obviously Ben Simmons scored one point. Like that that game, that was crazy. Um, but you know when you when you take a look at the series as a whole, it's just clear the Sixers were elevated to a position that they aren't at yet. They're just they weren't ready. Um, because to me, and, and the biggest reason I say that is because if you look at this series, this series, there, there was only, only game one was like a, a, a decisive victory. The other four games all came down to, you know, four points-ish, five points maybe. Um, I think game two was decided by five. Um, but like they were all close games, and Boston only managed to lose one of them. So they won three out of the four close games, like if you're if you're the team that's you know ready for the moment, you're going to split the difference on those games, um, and they just they just weren't able to do it. Just not yet. Like they need a little bit more time. They got to take their bumps and bruises, like almost every team has to do. Um, and and yeah, just move forward. Um, but one more thing that kind of surprised me too um, with both this series and the Cavs series is the fact that both of those teams really, really had to fight to get out of the first round. Um, granted, Boston's Boston's wins were all pretty, as I recall, against Milwaukee. Um, all of those wins were, were pretty decisive, whereas, you know, the Cavs had a, had a few close calls. But nevertheless, both of those series went seven games, and 
Like, they just look like completely different teams in, in the second round. I mean, particularly uh, Cleveland, but even Boston, like, there's there's no universe where anyone could convince me that the Milwaukee Bucks are a better team than the uh, the Sixers. Like, you could convince me that Indiana is better than Toronto. You can't convince me that, that uh, Milwaukee is better than Philly. But Boston made Philly look worse than Milwaukee. Like, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, they really did. I mean, two different series, just two, like, I don't know. I mean, you got Giannis is just really hard for us to handle and all that. And I think what ran into the Sixers was just, like, a lot of youth, too. And then you could see some two, some things happening on the court, too. J.J. Redick and T.J. McCollum kept on barking at each other. I don't mm-hmm. know what, what kept on happening like that. It wasn't just, like, one occurrence, too. Like, they had it multiple games. It was, like, last game. Yeah. You could clearly tell J.J. was frustrated. I mean, Brad did a great job. They were – even the commentators kept on saying, like, that we yeah. were smothering J.J. Mm-hmm. Every time he touched the ball at that three-point line. We were on top. There was one point – one play where Jalen Brown, he catches the ball, and Jalen Brown is so much already in his grill that he's turning over the ball, but it goes out on Jalen Brown because it's bounced out, but – he was just like, there's no space for J.J. So we were just frustrating J.J., who's like their glue right now, because he was basically their veteran that's done a lot of good things for this team. That's why I think they need yeah. to get a couple more veterans. Like, it was Slova and, and Bellinelli they need to keep. But they're not vocal, like, veterans that, like, they're just great role players. They're like, yes, this is the players that we need on our team. Help us win a championship. But they're not going to help our locker room and help, like, like stabilize everyone and and like right. and all that and like JJ was it for the regular season but even JJ can't hold it down in the playoffs because like he he hasn't been on a team that's been there that that far I mean he's on the Clippers and don't get a good offense against the Clippers in those days I mean they were a great team but they just never could do it in the playoffs so he's already seen a very term oil ish playoff so that's his like mindset like he can be a great regular season because Clippers are great but you know. So I think it's just a lot of things factored in on the Sixers losing. I mean, you got to look, I mean, real quick, like with Baines, he said hitting a three. This man shot 50% this series. He shot nine yeah. of 18. Out of all year, he shot four. He made four three-pointers, three, uh, three pointers, and it was like four for 38. And he's nine for 18. <laughs> like, come on. Like, you're that, there's no way, like, that the 76ers were just predicting that. So there's just like that for right. factor, like. That really helped. I mean, Aaron Aaron played great defense. Al Horford even pointed out. I mean, he means a really lot of defense. He'll get dunked on. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure he got dunked ridiculously on three different times in series. I mean, Joel Embiid just brought him back to the world. But Aaron Baines just every time just kept on going back up there. He's not scared and all that. I mean, yeah. He's very good, like, defensive, like, like helps. He helps our defense and he'll go – He'll play those dirty plays where it's like, in the end, I'm either going to get this block, get this foul, or I'm getting dunked on. And and he'll just – he has that mindset just like all these young rookies on our team that they they don't get phased. They don't – like, one play doesn't really stick in their mind. They're just already on to the next play. Like, you could tell that with Ben Simmons that you, he was getting frustrated in game two especially. I mean, you score one point, you can definitely tell you're frustrated. I mean, you're a 6'10", 200, like, pound force that you could get to the rim whenever you want and you scored one point. So you can definitely tell Ben Simmons is getting in his mindset when 
Jason Tatum, on the other hand, is just playing out of his mind. I mean, comes the last two games and uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks, he's already scored 20 points in each one of those. And then all five straight games, so he's seven straight games right now. Only other rookies ever done that is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and at 11. I mean, he's just on fire, like you just said. I mean, the, the whole scoring points. But I read a stat that um, he's fourth right now and youngest players to score points in the playoffs. Kobe Bryant is number one, but Kobe has doubled his games. I think Jason Tatum right now is at 14 games, and he's in 200s or something like that. And Kobe Bryant has uh, has 28 games, and he's in first. And he's only up on him by, like, 150. So it's like, wow. Like, Jason Tatum is a really good offensive-minded player, just – a lot of things he does, I mean, that little slow – I think it was more Robert Cummington losing his feet than Jason Tatum giving him a slow James Harden break your ankles last game. But it's just mm-hmm. like right when he saw him drop, Jason's just like, oh, hey, I'm a great shooter, and I can just take it right <laughs> from the spot. Like you just you just fell on the ground. You're just like there's no one in front of me now. Like, oh, this is practice. You just swoosh. And it's like he just does like really smart things. I mean, down the stretch – he really steps it up. I mean, not a lot. Of, uh, they think they did the statistics. Um, ben Simmons to, I, I can't remember what it is, but they're showing them both down the stretch. And it's just like Jason Tatum just doubling him in points, just like completely just over, like when you need someone in the end of the game. It's, it just wasn't there for, for Ben. I mean, Ben's a great player. He's definitely going to learn off this. I still think they need another ball handler to help him out. Like, yes, he needs to have his hands on the ball, but he, they need another ball handler. You can't rely on TJ McCollum all the time. So I think they, they're going to try to get him that help somewhat. Like, well, again, and the, I mean, LeBron would be problem. perfect for him because that's a, you know, that's another person. But you need someone to, to free up the ball a little bit in his hands, take a little bit of the pressure, still have him majority. They could both play off the ball, but they need someone else to help him out right there. Yeah, and part of the problem with, with McConnell, I mean, he played great in this series, but it's really hard to play, and we saw this in, in Game 5, it's really hard to play him and Redick at the same time because you're giving up all your all of your size disadvantage. So if you got a LeBron or a Paul George who can who can play on ball or a Kawhi Leonard or some combination of of any anything like that, um, that is your absolute best case scenario. Like my my hope right now is that they trade for Kawhi Leonard and sign Paul George. Um, like I I think that would be that that team would just be so good. Like it would be just monumentally great. Um, I mean the biggest the biggest thing with that is you know um, can you can you get a commitment from Kawhi. To, to resign there because um, it's you'd have to give up a lot to get him and I don't know if if you would have that that sort of verbal commitment um, but I will say this I do know that one of his um, like his like I guess he's got like representatives right now I read this really really interesting you mean his article. uncle he's got like a no, main no no no, uncle no, no, no. And not, his, uncle. not his uncle but like his I guess like his agent um, like the guy who's rep- representing the um, like actual agent side of things, like because his uncle is not technically an agent. Um, I think his uncle, uh, like, because I think his uncle technically is manager. 
I yeah, guess that's what yeah, he's his, considered yeah, he's not his, an agent, but he's a manager. Right, exactly. Um, but his his like actual agent who represents him uh, in that in that respect, he's from New Jersey, um, and he has ties to uh, Philadelphia. Um, so I think that would be a positive sign if you're Philly. Um, I think I think if you're Philly or, or LA, I think is going to be where he ends up going. I think you're right. I don't think. I think I think Danny Ainge would look at that situation and say the juice isn't worth the squeeze, um, and you know, plus, you know, looking at looking at Terry Rozier, like, you know, of course I had him included in in a deal for Kawhi, um, just kind of to make the numbers work and to make it worth it for San Antonio, um, but I will say this, I, I, if I was Phoenix, I would go to Boston. They're probably going to draft Luka Doncic, but let's say they, for whatever reason, don't. Like, they don't end up number one or whatever, um, and say they get Aiton. Like, if you could go to Boston and say, we'll give you Miami's pick this year, which is number 16, which is exactly where you drafted Terry Rozier, um, and we'll give you a future future first-round pick. You can have the Milwaukee pick. Uh, you can have uh, the Miami's 2021 pick. Like, just take your, take your pick. So you get two first-round picks for Terry Rozier. Um, I'm not sure that um, that Danny Ainge would do that, honestly. Um, but I think there's a possibility that he would, just because he wouldn't want to have to pay Rozier down the line, um, along with everybody else. So, um, but like if you added Terry Rozier to that Phoenix team, you got him, you got Booker, you got Josh Jackson, Dragon Bender. Uh, you draft a center and like someone like Aiton or Jaron Jackson, like. That team's starting to look a lot better uh, really quickly, um, and that might be worth giving up a couple first-round picks. You know, if if you think Rozier is going to be better than what you know than what you're going to see um, see out of those picks. So you, you know, you're you're banking on the proven commodity over you know the two draft picks, so you don't know what you're going to get. Um, what do you think about that? Would you? Would you entertain that? Like two two first rounders for Rozier? I feel like I may have asked you this before, but you haven't. I mean, it. I would. Uh, it put me in a hard spot because I mean, getting two first round picks in any day and age. I mean, the way teams hold, how like highly they're like they're they're, they're really valuable now. I mean, they're super well, and especially valuable. Especially that like, that Heat pick that my that Miami Heat pick in two thousand twenty one yeah. is fully unprotected. That's one of the few fully unprotected picks that's out there. And, like, Miami's one of those teams, like, they're they're on the older side. Like, Goran Dragic is, like, 32 or 33. Um, a lot of those guys on that team are, are veterans. Obviously, Wade has is, is got maybe a year left, if that. Um, like, they don't, they don't have a lot of young pieces. So that pick could easily, easily be – you know, you, you could be looking at a top 10 pick with, with that pick, you know, obviously you have to wait for it. Um, but also, you know, that gets you, that gets you more assets. If down the line, you're looking at trying to pick up a Giannis who's unhappy or a, you know, um, Anthony Davis. So that, that would be where my mindset would be if I was Boston asset collection, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, you put me in a hard spot because, I mean, asset collection, I mean, Danny's a master at this. I mean, keep on stocking him up. But, I mean, I love Terry. I'd rather us just worry about 
him and all the money two years from now when we have a bunch of money coming off the books and hopefully we're winning and a lot of these players can see eye to eye and Terry's kind of like, you know, I like my role here. I'm not having to go to another team where, like in Phoenix, you know, I got to be that guy now. Like they're expecting me like, hey, I got you to pair up with Devin Booker. You got to be that guy. So, you know, I just would rather uh, wait two years from now when we got to win the problems right there. But, I mean, two first-round picks, damn, that's that's really tough, too, to walk away from. Well, and so, I, I would yeah, see and Danny, I don't Danny. Think, I don't think Terry would – I don't think he – I think he would want to be the starter. Like, I mean, he looks like he's of that mindset, you know, like no, no, nothing against Boston. Like, obviously he loves, he seems to love it in Boston, but it's like, it's clear, like it, even as good as you've been playing, it's like, you're not like the best we can do for you is, is like, sh- like play you at the two some and split your minutes between, you know, you'd be splitting your minutes between of course, Jalen Brown and Kyrie Irving. It's like, how many minutes can you really, get out of him if you're doing that. And I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, in a perfect world, what you could do, since there's, you know, 48 minutes in a game, um, you know, you if you play him, like, kind of exclusively at the one and the two and you let uh, Marcus Smart go, you could get each of Kyrie – him and Jalen Brown 32 minutes because that's how it splits out between three people playing between two positions. Um, so like maybe he would be happy with that, but I don't know. And I think he would have to let, I think Marcus Smart would have to go. Like, I don't think you could keep him if you're going to do that, you know? Yeah. You definitely have to have Marcus Smart walk. I mean, which things could I mean, I love Smart's just so good. Rozier's so good. It's just, it's things like, you know, we're gonna have, they're going to have to fit it. Because, I mean, not even to mention, you only had those three, but Gordon Hayward also would play some of the two and yeah. switch out. So, Gordon's going to take some of those minutes. So, But then again, I mean, you look at how depleted we are, you know, we're running, that would be an eight-man rotation. I mean, it would be tough for Brad for a couple of years, I mean, if we could just get smart to sign, you know, short deals, so all of them at the time will come free agents at the same time, then you can be like, okay, these people are going to walk and all that, and here's where we're going to focus. But, I mean, yeah, I think in, in a couple of years, Rosier might be like, it's time for me to go, or unless they're just like, like I said, winning always changes a mind. If you're winning championship, they can always, you know, change your mind. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal, only wanted to leave after three years of winning. So, you know, it, it really, like, not going to – so if they win next year or, or the year he's a free agent, I, I highly doubt it. I could see him walking. I could see, you know, him, unless he's been traded before then and we've done, a, like, some moves to free up things. But, you know, him being like, let me go on for one more year. But the two-year deals that, like, Kevin Durant's been doing, like, one in, my option out if I want to go to another team. And let's just keep on seeing if we can – Ride this championship, and then you know, because Rosie is very young. I mean, he's only third year in the season, the league. You can still learn a lot. I mean, but hey, I'd still two first rounds for Phoenix. I still think Phoenix. Don't get me wrong, and I, I Rosie right now is playing a lot better than. But I mean, uh, Schroeder wouldn't be that bad for him. I mean, he's very, he's international too with this coach too. So I've seen Schroeder yep. when he played out there. So Schroeder might be you know a better option. You won't have to give up some. You wouldn't. I don't see Schroeder getting two first-round picks. Are you talking about Dennis like Schroeder? 
Yeah, Schrader. Yeah, I'm sorry. Dennis okay. Schrader. Okay, no problem. Everybody, everybody mispronounces his name, so it's it, it, I hear it every day when I watch their games. So, but okay, yeah, no, that, that in fact I've thrown out uh, Schroeder to uh, to Phoenix trade um, because I mean, I, yeah, I don't think you ha- you would have to give up as much. I mean, I feel like you probably only have to give up one first round pick and an expiring contract, um, which they have Tyson Chandler and they have Jared Dudley, both of whom are expiring. And there is maybe even a scenario where. Um, the Hawks would take back Brandon Knight, um, just depending on what their scouts thought they would be getting at, say, number 16. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that could definitely be a possibility, too. Um, I, but, like, <laughs> the thing is, is if, if I'm Phoenix, like, I would so much rather have Terry Rozier. Like, I would give up the extra first-round picks to get Terry Rozier because I think he's better than Dennis Schroeder. Um like he's just—he's a better defensive player. He's a better three-point shooter. Um, I mean, they both got height and length for their for their position, um, but Terry Rozier just does so much more with it. <laughs> Whereas Schroeder, like man, he was—he looked really suspect this season. So I don't know. Like I, I probably would give up the extra pick to get to get Rozier, um, but. You know, I mean, it, it just depends. Like, I, I definitely think if they don't draft Luca, though, they need to make a trade and get a point guard. Um, so, but it'll be oh, interesting. Definitely. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. It's going to be a crazy off season. Um, also, uh, one more one more thing before we move on. Um, I can't remember if I said this on. I don't think I've said this on a show yet. I think we've just talked about it internally. Um, I think. I wouldn't make any sort of rash decision if I'm Philadelphia, but I definitely think they should hold some kind of private meeting with Jay Wright of Villanova. Um, first of all, Villanova's in Philadelphia, um, so if if he if he was interested in the Sixers' job, which I don't see how he couldn't be, um, he wouldn't even have to relocate. I mean, he's already there, um, and like. The point I'm getting at is I wouldn't fire Brett Brown um, without knowing whether Jay Wright was interested, but I think I might fire Brett Brown if I can get Jay Wright. Because um, everybody's looking for that next Brad Stevens, and this guy, I mean, you know, Brad Stevens, what, he, he made it with Butler, made it to two national back championships. Back to back years. Back to back yeah, years. Jay Wright, Jay Wright has made it three consecutive years and won two of them. Like if that's not, no, 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 like, no. he's you, won two out of three. He's he's made it to the final four, three, four. Okay, now. okay. Still, still, like two resume, winning two out of three is ridiculous. Yeah, winning two out of three and making three consecutive final fours is that that is you you know you're getting a great coach out of that. Um, I, I would I would do that. Like as much as I feel like it wouldn't be fair to Brett Brown who like essentially stuck it out through your whole, like, shitty rebuild and lost so many games. Like, man, he just got so outcoached in this series. And, like, and I kind of get it. Like, I, I think I even said last week that, you know, he, he's um, he's an older coach, like, but he's never been in that kind of situation. Like, it's weird to say that Brad Stevens has more experience than him but he really does, you know. I mean, he's coached in what three, four playoff seasons now. So like three, because they know, both got there at the same time. I want to say. Yeah. So like, so I mean, he's he's 
you know, essentially he's got, you know, more experience, even though Brown, you know, was an assistant coach and, and did it for all those years in San Antonio, but nevertheless. So I do think it would be kind of an unfair shake, but man, like that dude, Jay Wright, man, he, uh, I really do think he could be the next Brad Stevens. And if you can get him, I think I would have to pull the trigger. What do you think? Uh, I would do it if I was Philly just because the whole Philly thing. But then again, it's two different situations that they'd be coming into. Like Brad Stevens, yeah, you want the next Brad Stevens and all that. And don't get me wrong, Jay Wright's a great coach and he could be it. But Brad came into a team where, hey, we're in a complete rebuild. You're going to build this team with the GM. Right. There's no worries on you. And somehow, hey, Brad just being a great coach, your second year in, he's already bringing you to the playoffs. This would be a reverse. You're not getting a terrible Sixers team. You're getting a, hey, we're already a playoff team. You're supposed to take us over the next hump. So I think we right. put a lot of pressure. Now, Brett ba- Brown doesn't do it two years. Now, two years from now, we're talking the same thing. Like, he's still like, I let him stay on for a couple more years, see what he can do. And he still loses. Now go to Jay Wright and be like, come on, man. Come on over. You could be the coach that now you're coming over. We've gotten there. So close two different times. We taste it. Brown's not it for it. It's almost like Jackson and Kerr. Like Jackson kept right. on almost getting Golden State there, but he could never do it. And then you get Kerr and it's just like, okay, that it's like. So I wouldn't do it just this season because it'd be way too much pressure sure. on Jay Wright. You already, hey, you're coming into this team right now and we need you to win next season. Like we're not even going to yeah. give you because Brett Brown and all this, like what they did last year in the staff, they. Just proved us wrong. You know, we got third in the East. We want to get second now. We want to advance to the East of the Conference Finals. So I think it just put more pressure on Jay Wright when if you could get him two years from now, you know, he's done his Villanova thing, you know, say he's maybe gone to four now, four out of five Final Fours and lost the National Championship. Wouldn't that add even more pressure? No. Now, you know, I'm just – it's different, yeah. If his college success keeps on, like, you know, rating high, yeah, you're going to put more pressure on him. But I think, you know, it would just be a time where it's like, hey, I'm going to walk away. It's good on both sides. But now you're getting a Sixers team that's all like, hey, we're there. Like, our team's been there. We've, we've got all the pieces, too. Because right now they're still in, like, like you said, you, you would like them to get Leonard and Paul George. So they're still in the, the pieces being built and all that. Like, I would just keep Brown. He's, he, yeah, Brad Stevens made him look terrible, but – Brad's going to make a lot of coaches look terrible. And, but maybe you know, I mean, not Jay just, Wright. Maybe not. Like, I mean, just, yeah, maybe not, but we just don't know right now. I mean, a lot of coaches, they it, they do the transition from going from being a good coach and going to the pros is hard. It doesn't really oh, yeah. happen that much. So oh, that's yeah. also, I, it, I it's agree tough, 100%. So. Brad so it's just a different game. The There's egos. Egos. A lot. That's what I'm saying, like, You'd still having to deal with a bunch of egos that are being folded. That's why I'm saying you get a team that's a couple of years from now, they're looking at you like they're all like, hey, well, all of our egos are going to be aside. We'll try it two years in a row. Like, you come here, man. We believe in what you are and, like, what you can bring to the team. We're going to buy into it 100% and let's do it. So that's why I'm saying, like, it would just be a little bit less pressure. I do see him being a Sixers coach, possibly, just because he's just at a some point guy. in the future. Yeah. yeah, at some point yeah, in the future. I, I just don't think Brett will do it. Just Brett's right now, he's like, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's jacksing these guys. He's he's helping all these guys grow. He's a smart. He's got a lot of knowledge for them. But like you said, in the end, when it comes against a better coach than him, it gets really shown quickly. I mean, he threw up some 
very terrible uh, late game plays. I mean, taking out TJ in the second, I mean, you have to do it. And every coach to this day, I don't think Brad would do it. You have to take TJ out because you have to let your young future players see what this spotlight's like. So, yeah, it's a terrible call when we all can look back at it. But, I mean, you just, you just don't do that to your, your franchise player, like one of your franchise guys, especially his rookie year. That's just showing them. So at least, like, Ben Simmons can look back at us and be like, you know, Brown at least really did trust in me and, like, all that and the coaches that. Not then, like, sure. Because TJ, he, he knows deep down inside TJ was the better. Like, I shouldn't be out of here, but, hey, you know, I need to see what this was like. I need to get this loss because I'm young yep. and this is going to help mold me for years. Like, Embiid, I felt so bad for him. He really, like, at the end of the game, I was like, and be my single-handedly beat us. Like, he was going down on defense, blocking everyone, stopping everyone. Defense and going right back. And, like, I was like, man, and beats trying to win this game for Philly. And then just the whole slip up at the end. I mean, you got to make that layup. I'm sorry. I mean, you're, you're way better yeah. than your Baines. If they said it was supposed to be a foul, even if it's not, you Thing still is, have to make that. It needs to be in an yeah, and one it, situation no matter what. Like, you should. Bain but you shouldn't have been in that position you. to begin with. You were up by four with like ninety seconds left in the game. Like that but, but yeah, you're right though. Nevertheless, you gotta make that shot. I um real quick before we move on, I I see here's the thing, like I, I don't know like I don't know I would assume you you're allowed to do it, but I don't I don't know this for a fact. Um I don't know if you're allowed to like meet with somebody for your head coaching position if you like have a head coach. Like I, I, I would assume you, you, you can. Um, I, I could would assume that you could meet with anybody you want to meet with. Um, because like that, but that's the thing that 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 would be the risk you take. What if you set up a meeting with Jay Wright and for whatever reason you're like, and eh, maybe this isn't the right timing. Maybe this is isn't isn't the right situation for you. Yada yada yada. And then you know, Woj releases a report saying you know they met with Jay Wright and. So obviously they don't have faith in Brett Brown and then you're causing a bunch of, you know, so I get that side of it as far as like, you know, it's, it's a tricky situation, but man, I just think, I just think Jay Wright is, uh, I just think he's, he's, he's the next Brad Stevens. I mean, I'll keep saying it. Like he's, he's one of the guys who's out there who I think would have a lot of confidence in making the transition. Um, But I will say this. I, it would have been a lot better had they had they got him this past season when there you know what I mean when there wasn't the pressure and then you know like I do agree with you like it's not the same situation as it was for Brad um, because you know they're they're already there um, and people are already looking at them with these high expectations and you know like it's 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 definitely a situation where. Um, it's definitely not the same situation that Stevens was coming into um, where he was essentially had time, you know, to, to make decisions and implement his system and everything else. So, but it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, Speaking of coaches, the national basketball coaches association voted Dwayne Casey coach of the year. So essentially he was voted coach of the year by a group of his peers. Um, Brett Brown, uh, the aforementioned Brett Brown, who got outcoached by <laughs> Brad Stevens, Mike D'Antoni, Greg Popovich, Nate McMillan, who got outcoached by Tyrone Lue, uh, Quinn Snyder, 
Terry Stotts, and Doc Rivers all received at least one vote. However, Brad Stevens did not get a single vote. This is fucking preposterous, man. Like, we, we've dedicated so much of this show to talking about the genius of Brad Stevens. And, like, how can he not get one fucking vote by his his coaching peers? I don't I don't get it. Um, the only thing that I can think is just pettiness or jealousy. Like, um, you know, I mean, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of similar to, like, when, you know, when players vote for, like, the All-Star games and they just, like, vote for who they like and, you know, it's not really a good representation of who the best players are. Like, maybe Brad Stevens isn't isn't really all that liked amongst the coaching community, um, which, you know, I mean, I guess I could see. I mean, he's he's kind of does – he's taken a a weird path to get to where he is, um, and he, you know, is – he he he's like a great basketball mind, but maybe he's he's kind of a little weird in person. Like seems like he could be kind of like that. I mean, I don't know, um, but it blows my mind. Uh, please, any any of your thoughts uh, or uh, insight as to how the fuck this is possible? <laughs> no, man, it's just absolutely terrible. I mean, this is just so bad on the NBA. I mean, even if he doesn't win it, that's no big deal if he doesn't win it, but. To not even get a single vote by your peers, that is a hundred percent. Every single one of those coaches are being salty right now because they know deep down inside, Brad is the best coach, and he's basically LeBron, where he can win MVP or AKA the Coach of the Year every single year. But they just want to be salty and not like there's. It just does. It's preposterous. It just doesn't make no sense. How you don't even get one vote? Like I can understand. Like oh hey, you know he got second or he got third because, you know, Quinn Snyder did have a good uh, run down the end of the stretch with his jazz team and, and all that. But Dwayne Casey, I'm sorry. Again, I'm just going to go with he's, he was not a good coach. He's going to get fired because he's not a good coach. He did nothing he to the team. He got outcoached by Ty Lue. <laughs> yeah, that, that's just terrible right there. Ty Lue is terrible and stuff, and he got outcoached by Ty Lue. But it's, well, he more, more like got outcoached by LeBron, but just still like – you didn't implement anything to your team that made you better. Your terrible bench, which was still terrible in the playoffs, just played a little bit better in the regular season for you. You didn't implement a new this defense because you started season. playing defense. And people, a couple more people hit some threes. That wasn't any kind of a system what you're doing. If you really look at like what Brad Stevens had to do, with writing up different like players getting hurt, writing up different di- kind of schemes and different kind of plays, defensive layouts, like – that's really good. Or Quinn Snyder even, like what he did with the Jazz. I mean, you lose Grudy Gobert for half a season, and then you get him back. You're running off of a rookie who's going to be running your team. I mean, he does a lot, and you're playing great defense. You make a trade, which is really good in the end for you to get rid of Ronnie Hood and get uh, uh, Crowder in there. So just like there's better coaching jobs, even like if Brad doesn't win, than Dwayne Casey. Like there's – it just, I just don't understand how you don't get one vote, like not one person, like you're saying. Like, I don't think Brad's weird, like, per se. I mean, he could be. He could be one of those genius people that is, like, doesn't really know how to, like, socialize well. He just really understands, like, basketball better than them. Yeah. But it, I just think it's more they're just super, super salty, and they just well, really just hate the fact that he's going to win it next circle. year, and he'll probably win you it know? again next year. Say again? <laughs> Well, and I think it too, I think he operates outside of the normal circles. Like, 
you know, like everybody talks about, like, say, Popovich's tree or whatever. Like, there's three, at least three guys on this list that are from Pop's tree. And, well, including Pop. Um, let me see. Because uh, I know Brett Brown is, and I know um, I know uh, Quinn Snyder is. Um, so, you know, both of those guys. So, like, and then, uh, you know, all these other guys, I'm assuming, you know, were assistants at some point and, and worked their way up. Whereas, you know, Brad Stevens, like, he wasn't, he wasn't even, uh, uh, like, he wasn't in college. He wasn't even at, like, what we would consider, like, a marquee team. He made them really good. But he's, that's not, that's not a team, you know, that that's not a Kentucky or Louisville or even University of Florida. Like, so, like, that in itself is kind of weird. And then, you know, for him to get, you know, a, a big contract from the most storied team in NBA history um, and having never coached an NBA game or even been an assistant for a, an NBA team, like, I, 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 I do. I feel, like, I feel like it is just people being fucking salty. Like, they're like – and, like, like I said, he's just not in their circle. So he's not um, – he's got his own circle, like his own tight knit group of people. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I find it very interesting. I, I also find it interesting that this was released like a day or two after uh, Dwayne Casey's Raptors fucking got swept. <laughs> like, oh, talk they about wanted to cheer him up. They're like, hey, them. buddy, you're about to lose your job. But, hey, you coach the this year. Bah, bah, bah. Yay. But you're getting fired, dude, because you're terrible. Your team's terrible. you got to blow that whole shit up in Toronto because you should have chose a long time ago who you're building around, not building the two of them. It was just, I was just all together Toronto just in the, in the worst spot possible, and they got to fire Dwayne yeah. Casey. Yeah, and the thing is, like, probably last year, maybe a year before, they could have traded Kyle Lowry. I don't think you can trade him now. He's a 32-year-old point guard who's making $30 million a year. Like, there's just – I feel like that's an untradeable contract. I mean – Virtually untradeable. Like you're not you're not gonna get you're not gonna get adequate value back for him. Whereas when he was making fourteen million dollars, you could actually you know make something of that. Um, Jawan is here. What's up, Jawan? Hey, sorry I'm late, guys. Oh no problem. We were just talking about how Kyle Lowry is an untradeable uh, player. What, what are your thoughts? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, <laughs> I was we were say, just talking about timing. that. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that, but uh, but it was more in connection to um, just uh, you know terrible Toronto and Dwayne Casey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll come back to it, Juwan. But let's go ahead and and because I want to I want to get your thoughts on this. But let's move forward and and cover uh, the last couple topics, um, and then Luke can dip, and then we'll we'll work our way backwards uh, like we did last week. Um, so okay. the Celtics, they're, they're set to face, uh, Cleveland in the Eastern conference finals, which is, which is crazy for me. Like, I'm like, who the fuck am I supposed to bet against here? Like, do I bet against <laughs> LeBron who, who like, you know, has proven, you know, through, through the first series, he, you know, he struck their team struggled, but despite nobody showing up, he carried his team. And then, you know, last series, his teammates finally kind of stepped up because uh, Toronto's not as good as everybody thought they were. Oh, by the way, real quick, Luke, before we move on, uh, 
can I get a little vindication from you for saying that uh, Toronto isn't that much better than Washington? Like, will you, will you give me will you give me a little bit of props for saying that when they were playing in that series? Yeah, I'll give you. I mean, it's I just I don't know, man. Toronto was full cool <laughs> to me too, man. Uh, they just yeah. did a, a really bad full. But they're both both of those teams are in terrible positions. They both need to blow it up. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. Um, but uh, but anyway, so I, you know, I I don't want to bet against LeBron, but at the same time, man, I don't want to bet against Brad Stevens. Like to me, the fact that he was he was basically able to outcoach, uh, you know, a team that had, uh, you know, two two. Well, I'm just gonna say all stars because even though uh, Ben Simmons didn't make the All Star team, he should have in retrospect. Um, but like two of those guys, and then just a bunch of good shooters around him, um, and Dario Saric, who's who's like man, he he really played well like down the stretch, like games four and five when he finally started, you know, coming off the line and taking it to the to the basket. Um, I don't know, like I'm gonna say Cavs in six because I feel like I I feel like if it goes to seven, I feel like. Boston would be playing at home. They're probably going to win that game, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Cavs in six. So, it, but it, it, like I said, it, it's 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 not something that I feel all that great about. Like I I legitimately think uh, like nobody's given Boston a chance, and I mean I I feel like most people didn't give Boston a chance against Philly, but I mean they looked really impressive winning in five games um, and just playing clutch basketball when it counted. Um, but yeah, ultimately I, I still, I, before, you know, somebody has got to prove to me they can beat LeBron before I'm going to say, yeah, like they're going to beat LeBron. So that's how, that's how I, I have to kind of look at it is, is Cavs in six because Bron going to be Bron. Uh, but I will say this, Boston, those other players better be ready for some actual defense because you ain't getting Toronto defense. You're getting... Boston defense, which is a notch above Indiana defense. So that that's one of the big reasons I think Boston has such a good chance in this series, um, you know, despite being without their two best players. Uh, but anyway, uh, Juwan, what are your thoughts on this series? Um, I'll say this, and I, I believe Luke knocked, uh, you know, hit it right on the head uh, in, in the group chat. I'm not counting Boston out. Here's the main reason why. We saw – Pacers take a scheme which was allow LeBron to go off but Mm -hmm. completely shut down Love and the rest of those shooters. Like, make the shooters very uncomfortable. Um, And 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 you know who can shut down Love is Al Horford. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, and Tatum and Brown can make things very uncomfortable for your wings. So um, we definitely have to give them some some love. But the biggest thing is uh, the only issue the Pacers had was it came down to coaching, and unfortunately, um, Nate McMillan got out-coached by Tyron Lue uh, yep. for, for a game or two. Uh, I do not see any scenario where Tyron Lue is out-coaching Brad Stevens. I do see a scenario <laughs> no. to, where, um, to where it's close and LeBron is just too great of a player for Brad Stevens to, you know, out-scheme. Out um, I do see that being a scenario, but if if you're asking me what would I take this series, um, you know what, Luke, you know what, man, you, you had me convinced since the uh, since the Milwaukee series. 
I think there's just something so special about this team this year. Uh, I'm saying Boston in seven. Boston in seven. I love it. Yes. My oh, man. I, nice. I so I so fucking hope so, dude. I would I would love that. I would love the narrative um, of like you know, basically the team that Kyrie went to beating LeBron without Kyrie. And like, it's like, do we really need Kyrie? Like, Oh dude, it would be so fucking hilarious. Um, but and, uh, Luke, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go on, finish up. And then we'll throw it to Luke. I was just going to say, and um, if I had to, if I had to think about, cause I, you guys know I'm picking golden state to come out the West, but if I had to think about somebody who could actually give golden state seven games, Mm-hmm. I think it even I think it's this Boston team. I think Brad Stevens is such a a mastermind at the game of basketball. He could take that team seven games. And I'm gonna be honest with you, if they can beat LeBron in seven games, you guys are probably gonna say I'm insane. I would take Boston in seven against Golden State. I feel like if they can get past wow. without Kyrie, I would have okay, them all in the that way. series. I'd... I think they would uh, Golden they would State, Golden, State State would. Golden State would Golden State won two more okay. games than Boston. Yeah. Um, but I, I would go with Boston all the way if they can get past LeBron. <laughs> that, now I do think you're a little crazy. I give like don't get me wrong. I think they would pick. I think out of Boston and Cleveland, who would win more games against Golden State uh, in a seven game series? Definitely think Boston would. Um, like I think they would have a legit shot at winning two, whereas I think Cleveland might win one if that. Um, but. I, 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 I just couldn't see them not 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 without Kyrie and without like at some point I feel like the pressure would get to you. But anyway, let's not focus on that. Let's just focus on this series. Luke, I assume you are rolling with your Celtics, brother. I mean, man, I'm rolling with my Celtics, but I mean, I'm I got to be rolling with Jawan on my Celtics right now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong, I love my team and I think, but I mean. Hey, look, realistically, we could take possibly them to seven, but we we wouldn't put on the road. If it was in Boston, you know, whole different button still. Hey, that Golden yeah, State team is just a really good team, and they're just showing again how they're just a really good team. But getting to this series and, and everything, no, I mean, it's really hard to choose against LeBron, but the only thing I'm going to, like, say to, you, to your prediction, Nick, is – they're not winning it in six. It's whoever's winning this series, it's happening in seven. This, this is going 100% right. to seven. It's going to go down to the last four minutes of this game. It's either going to be Ken LeBron somehow will his team out in some crazy seventh game stuff that I've seen him do, or somehow yeah. is one Celtic going to match him or a couple Celtics going to match him, like almost like the Paul Pierce did that one time back in the day where they went toe-to-toe in game seven. We just somehow willed them, but – I really think it's going to go to game seven. I'm going to put my team on top just because it's what Scotty Tippin said right now, because yes, Kevin Love is technically a better player than some of the people I'm going to say, because he is an all-star. He's just been there before, but right now, yes, out of the five best people in this series playing right now, yes, you undoubtedly have the number one, but three, Two, three, and four, and possibly five are on the Celtics team right now, playing in the playoffs. I mean, Kevin Love is great, but he's not playing that good. He's he's finally starting to do better, J.R. Smith, but you're definitely taking Horford, Tatum, Rozier, and then you could go Love or Brown or or yeah, but Boston definitely right now has better players playing 
in the playoffs better than the Cavs. And I just think the Celtics are going to be able to run at LeBron. They're going to do exactly what you guys are saying is try to shut down the rest of the people. And, I mean, you look at the 76ers team, the way better three-point shooting team than, than the Cavs, and we just shut them down. Now, the Cavs have better veteran shooting threes that are very sparky, and they've been in this situation, so they might not get as shaken up. But we're going to be all up in there, all the threes. But we're also going to uh, – LeBron's not going to see this many different people switching off of him. We have five solid people that can uh, take time on him from – Marcus Morris, the Smart, the Horford, to Tatum, to Brown. That's a lot of people running off LeBron. It's going to wear him out mm-hmm. at some point. It, it, it might show. That's why we Celtics could, being a young team, could make it to the finals just because in the end, it, it, the time might catch up to LeBron and just getting beat up and how many minutes he's playing and all that. I mean, he's been putting these, his team on his back. The first series might – the first series might come back and bite them in the butt right now. Going to for this one's going to go seven, and they're going to go all down on the wire, and it's going to really have to show LeBron's greatness. And I mean, he pulled a lot of crazy. I mean, what he was doing against Toronto was just stupid. I mean, that little spin move, shot it over the backboard, like was <laughs> like what? Did LeBron, did you just go God mode? Like, have you just decided that Toronto? He's just like the smallest kid on the blacktop. He's like, yo, dude, we're playing one-on-one just because I know I'm winning every single time and I just want to walk <laughs> out of recess with my head held high. Like, he's just doing just ungodly things. But, I mean, he he's going to do what he's going to do. But I still think what Brad, being the better coach and just a, a more complete team right now that the Celtics have, that it's, it's going to really battle test LeBron and his vets. But... I'll give Lou this that – well, I'll give LeBron this because I do think it's more LeBron that, that he went with his vets at one t- point in, in in the Jazz series where he was just like, stop, we have to – I mean, I know they're not good, but I need Thompson, I need JR, I need Love, and I need Corver out there. They've all been here, and, they, and it proved to them. So they do have the vets that have been there, but I just think LeBron and just – Everything and they, they might get exposed. Now, not I don't think the Celtics are going to run away, and I don't think we're going to beat them in six. I, I truly think it's going to go seven games. It's going to come down to the final four minutes. But the way that the Celtics have been closing out these games, I just I can't vote against them. So I do have them winning. But here's my thing in the finals. I think we could possibly take Golden State to seven. But I think if the Rockets beat Golden State the Celtics have a better chance being the Rockets in the final. I think we could be Absolutely. the Rockets just because the Rockets are another team that's just relying on the three. We can smother that three. If we do it again this year, we can prove that we can smother three. And you just have to worry about Harden and Chris Paul. And really, they haven't been showing one. One's always – both of them haven't been consistent where they both have been going off each night. One's been not there. I mean, it's been Harden, but I think the Celtics have a better chance of beating – the Rockets in the finals than Golden State. Yeah, but I, I agree, but I will say this. Um, that won't be the narrative if you see the Rockets in the finals because right. in order for them to beat Golden State, they're going to need Chris Paul and James Harden to both be going off. Like, they're going to have to yeah. get at least two or three games of them both going off. They maybe can get one or two where it's just one of them and then, you know, a couple of their wing guys and Capella gets 15 and, you know, 12 or whatever. 
Um, but like they're going to need, I, I would argue three games where all, where they're both firing on all cylinders. Um, and it'll be interesting Nick. to see. Yeah. No, I, I'm sorry. Finish. I was just going to, I wanted to add something to, to the Celtics uh, Cavs series, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no worries. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're, it, if it, if it's them, it's, it's definitely going to be uh, the best version of them. You, you know, if you see them, but I agree with you ultimately. I mean, I think, I, I think they're easier. They would be an easier matchup um, as far as what the Celtics are able to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the Celtics are just so damn good, man. It's going to be crazy fun to see what they look like when they get that team back. And you know what? Like, you know what I think is funny, and I'll just say this real quick before I pass it to you, Juan. Everybody's everybody out there is like, LeBron's LeBron's gonna stay in the East. He's gonna stay in the East. Why why go West? Why go West? And it's like, dude, like unless you're joining the Sixers, there ain't no fucking reason to stay in the East. Have you seen Boston? <laughs> like, dude, they are fucking good, and they don't even have their two best players. So yeah, like. I, I think it's going to be really interesting. I don't think any East-West, any of that shit is, is going to play a, a factor in where LeBron chooses to go. Um, I think more it's going to be circumstance. Like, I think it's set up perfectly for LeBron right now because essentially the setup is this. If Golden State beats Houston, you go to Houston because um, they're the most equipped team to win now. Um, you get to go join your buddy, uh, Chris Paul and James Harden is, is you know, another all-star. And depending on how that trade is constructed, you, you know, hopefully still have some depth. I got a, I got a little version of the trade right now that would involve um, essentially both LeBron and Kyle Korver being traded to the Rockets uh, and getting back um, young, young assets. It's a three-way deal with OKC, and then they would take back Melo um, they get young assets, future first round, unprotected first rounders from Houston, and then Mello, who they would buy out, and then Mello could go join uh, and back up LeBron in uh, in Houston. Um, but uh, but if if Houston does somehow manage to beat them, and then you know essentially you know it, it's it's it looks like at that point, okay, well Houston Houston, I don't think it would matter even if LeBron beat them in the finals, like. It would basically it would it would be like Houston doesn't need LeBron like they've already gotten to you know essentially you know gotten to the finals like they beat Golden State they don't need LeBron so if they don't need LeBron he goes to Philly and you know he said so I I, I think he's got the perfect you know landing spot but anyway I, I'm kind of rambling here Juwan you you uh, had something about the Cleveland series yeah. Um... I'm going to pick a, an X factor that I think is going to be very important uh, to this series. I think you guys are going to laugh at, but I think he did really good um, defensively and, and rebounding wise in, in the Philly series. I think Baines is going to be an X factor. Yeah. Uh, We've both Celtics. talked about it tonight mainly, as being hugely important in that series. So we're there with you. Absolutely. Right there with you. And I think he's going to be huge in fourth quarter moments where um, a rebound is needed. And the Cavaliers either have Tristan, who's who played really well uh, or relatively well in that last series, um, or you know, or Kevin Love out there trying to get that that offensive rebound. And Baines, I think, can guard uh, Kevin Love relatively well. I mean, for what he did on Embiid in that last play alone, uh, was just like, man, Brad Stevens really has a lot of confidence in his guys. 
because uh, I know I would have been a little nervous about putting Baines on Embiid just because Embiid is such he, he's a little taller and it's just like I felt like he would have maybe like uh, you know kind of gotten him in position and just kind of just took over uh, against them. Um, but I think yeah, Baines and he played Sarge too, and he played Sarge yeah. pretty well. Um, yes, so like did. that would kind of transition to playing Love outside if they go like if they want to match him up against Love and they go with like a smaller lineup. Um, or I'm yeah. sorry, a bigger lineup. Um, and you know, and I mean, we all know Al Horford can guard Tristan Thompson. So like, yeah, he's got right. versatility. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing I look at is, uh, and the reason why I say Celtics in seven is if it comes down to that game seven and it's a close game in Boston, um, you then have to go, LeBron's going to show up. We know that LeBron, this isn't against Dallas Mavericks, LeBron, this LeBron's going to yeah. show up. My biggest question mark is who's going to show up with him? And if you're saying it's Kevin Love, I then say to you, they're definitely going to put either Horford or Smart or or Baines on Kevin Love. And I do trust the Celtics defense more than I do the Cavaliers offense outside of LeBron. Yeah. So, I mean, it is one of those things where it's like if, if there is a game seven, it comes down to strategy and it comes down to coaching. And that's always going to lean – to the side of Brad Stevens, unless LeBron has one of those Kobe Bryant games that he just completely shuts everything down. And I agree with Luke. At some point, it has to catch up to him that he's led this team in minutes. He played all 82 games. Uh, it didn't really look like he, he was able to get much rest throughout the playoffs because every two seconds they had to bring him back in. So that's going to catch up with him either in this series or definitely in the finals. He can't keep this up. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I get what y'all are saying, which is why I'm saying six. I think if it goes seven, I think Boston wins. Um, I, I just think LeBron's going to understand the importance. They've kind of figured some things out with their lineup. I, I, I totally agree with both of you guys. They're, I, I don't completely trust their offense, especially against the, the best defensive team that they will have played in these, in these playoffs. Um and that, that you know Boston will will match up well with them, uh, and and this Boston team is better than last year. Like they're they're better, yeah. And and Cleveland is not as good because they don't have Kyrie. So I mean it's going to be tough. It's it's going to be hard fought. I don't think it's going to be over quickly. Um, but Kyrie's the I'm, single reason we lost that series last year. If you saw yeah. what he was just shaking and baking at yeah. Andrew Bradley, Kyrie <laughs> yes, was, was the whole reason we lost. He just picked us apart. Part, and I was like, I, God, I love that and was when I was like, I enough, hate you, Kyrie. And interestingly enough, the only game you won was the game where Isaiah Thomas uh, was a game where Isaiah Thomas wasn't playing. Um, and I don't think that's by accident. I think his defensive liabilities, um, you know, I mean, Stevens was able to cover him up very, very well. But I mean, it was it was obvious that they that the Celtics were better defensively last year when he was not on the court. And they're even better this year than they were last year. I mean, Tatum is is so so much uh, better defensively. I mean, getting him was huge. Getting Brown an extra year, um, you know, Terry Rozier having having you know a breakout year, um, and and just it, it, all the little pieces. Even like a Shimmy Ojale, uh, he's played some some good minutes for them this year and and, and done well on the defensive end. So they're I mean they're just a better team this year. Even which is crazy to think they're a better team even without Kyrie uh, or um, Hayward. And obviously, I mean we we know for a fact that you know losing Kyrie has been 
um, has made it a lot harder for Cleveland. So, you know, I wouldn't, I, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Boston won. Um, and if Boston wins, like, I mean, I, I think it's a, like pretty much 100% anyway. But if Boston wins, like, it would only totally reaffirm my uh, my belief that um, LeBron is gone. And, um, it, like, it wouldn't matter if they traded, you know, traded that pick to, say, get, like, a Damian Lillard. Like, it would you might as well just keep the pick and, and start start to rebuild, um, but I I think it would drive the, the narrative that I was just pushing that East West doesn't matter because it, no matter where you are you're either going to have to play Boston or you're going to have to play Golden State. So I would I would probably take my chances against Golden State with the guys they have in Houston um, and. I would be looking forward. I'd be looking at the future and saying Boston's young. Boston's going to have this squad for a long fucking time. Golden State, they're not old, but they're older. And, you know, like injuries or what have you. Like, I mean, I just feel like my my chances with Houston against Golden State would be a little better than my chances uh, against Boston with Philly. Um, Luke, anything you want to add before we move on? Yeah, I want to add two quick things. Um, no, yes, I agree. Aaron Baines is going to be a huge X factor. I also believe someone who's going to get a little bit more playing time is going to be uh, Greg Monroe. I just yeah. feel like just because if no one's going to be able to body up with these big guys, Brad's going to see the mismatches where he's like, oh, they're running this guy at center. No, Greg, come on, just get me a couple minutes. Baines can sit on the bench. Horford, you can play with him, but go back here. Go down low and just bat body these guys. And that's what Greg would love, so I think he's going to actually play a lot. And it's like you're going to see a little bit now. He's not going to be doing anything crazy, but he's he's going to come in for at least, you know, at least eight to ten minutes and get us five solid, six good points. But, like, really, like – And, and hopefully a, three fouls on, on uh, Cleveland. <laughs> oh, yeah. He'll do – yeah, so it's just like – I just feel like, like you guys are saying, we're just more – we have way more depth than them right now. And our young guys, I mean – we're also not going to let a, a player like George Hill come down the court two times in a row and just freely dunk on us. That's not that's not going to happen, Dwayne Casey, <laughs> your terrible coach. I do not understand how you let George Hill remind of all of us of the old freaking Pacer days. You are just just a lot of things are just going to be different from. Well, these you know days, what the answer to that is, Luke. It's it's because Kyle what? Lowry's guarding him. <laughs> Well, it's just not even that. I mean, Kyle Lowry not guarding them, but you don't have no help defense. You Two times in a row, you got no help defense. Everyone's just cleaning the path for everyone. I mean, yeah, you got to blame it on Lowry for letting him get the pass the first step, but you got to, like, that's what the Celtics do. I mean, the first person might get beat, but we got everyone right behind them and all that. And Smart's going to play a lot of – he's going to be playing a lot of weird defensive roles this game. I mean, he's, yeah. you're going to see him match up against Love. You're going to see him match – I mean, what he did against Dario at the end of the game right there. I mean, Marcus Smart really – Dario's been backing down every person that he saw, like, that he had the mismatch against. He's like, I have weight. And he was trying to do it against Smart. Smart's just so – somehow this little bulldog that just, like, can stop. Yeah. And he's like, nah, man, you that's know, not happening you know, on me. You know he reminds me of? You're – like not not as um not not in the way he plays, but in the way he's built. Uh, Charles Barkley, 
Um, like he's he's kind of he's almost like the same size as Charles Barkley. He might be like an inch shorter. Um, it, it, but like obviously, like I said, not the way he plays because because Charles was a was an offensive juggernaut and you know he got a lot of rebounds, but he didn't do much in the way of defense. And and Smart's kind of the opposite, but his build is very similar. Um, so yeah, I mean he he can match up against those big guys because of that build. Yeah, I mean, I honestly would personally like to see Brad Stevens do something in a late-game situation. Of course, if he's not in foul trouble, I'd love to see Smart guard LeBron. I really would. Yeah. I really feel like – because if, if you watch in that Pacers series, uh, Nate a lot of times would put Lance on him, not necessarily yeah. because he thought he could guard him, but because Lance could get in his head. Marcus Smart is definitely a way better version of Lance Stevenson as far as getting Absolutely. in people's heads. Uh, yes. And I would definitely, in the fourth quarter, love him to be guarding LeBron. Uh, so whether it's to get a charge or it's to get LeBron to trap, just anything, I feel like Marcus Smart is that guy late game you want guarding uh, the other team's best player because you never know what Marcus Smart can get. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to um, get Joel's opinion on on these these games uh, too because I want him to be in the mix because I think I got a feeling he's gonna stick with LeBron on this one since he since he picked the Raptors in the last series and <laughs> they got swept <laughs> I think I, I think he's I think he's gonna roll I think he's gonna rethink that and maybe pick LeBron so it'll be interesting if it's if it's two versus two on these for that on he this. needs to buy a LeBronto T-shirt. He needs to go outside and someone who's made a LeBron t-shirt and has to wear it. If you really chose Toronto, I don't care if Toronto had like 20 plus games like in the regular season on the Cavs, like their record difference. No, there was no way Toronto was ever going to beat LeBron. Maybe take him to sixth and be like, oh, hey, we had, but there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I thought they would get. I thought they would get two. Um, they they didn't even get two. But um, but yeah, you know what? You know what decided it for me was when Toronto was playing at their apex, like three quarters of the way through the season or something like that. They were playing their best basketball. They still lost consecutive games to the Cavs. Like, and the Cavs were like trying, like in the midst of like trying to figure their shit out and still managed to beat them. Uh, I was just like. And that was when Toronto was at their absolute apex, and they still couldn't beat the Cavs. I was just like, "There's no way. I feel like no fucking way. They're gonna feel beat, like, they're gonna beat them in, in, in four beat them four like, games out of seven. I feel like LeBron could be in a coma, and someone would go, "Hey, LeBron, Cavs are playing Raptors. He would get out of the coma and still find a way to beat the Raptors in four games. I feel like that is the uh, only no, nah, dude. He would do it in the right coma." Now. He didn't even have to get out of the coma, Noah. He would beat them yeah, in would, the coma just, still because that's how you, terrible they are to him. All, yeah, all you would need to do is just, like, Man was clipping his nails on the bench. You, no, you would, yeah, all you would need to do is just, like, wheel him out on the court while he's in a coma, and, like, they would just see him and, like, start having PTSD <laughs> flashbacks, and, like, they would just be done. Like, there's, there's nothing they could do. Man, I hate this. You remember Toronto. when I feel, Roy Hibbert I really feel was so good? bad for those guys, man. Like, this was your year. This was your only year, and you couldn't do it. That sucks. Really sucks. But real it. quick, I got to just say a quick joke on. But y'all remember when Roy Hibbert was, like, a good, like, people were like, yo, he's a yeah. good center or pacer or defense. Yeah. And LeBron just completely dunked on his whole soul 
and just like ruin his whole career from that point out. And LeBron just knew like, no guys, he's not a good, that's what LeBron basically did at Toronto. At some point he dunked on them all so hard that they're like, they could never react to like ever playing LeBron again. Like you're saying like at the apex in the regular season, he, they went back to back games, like one in Cleveland, one Toronto, and you lost both games, like very decisively. Like one was a blowout. And I was like, Toronto, you were just, I just, they got Roy Hibbert some point. If there was a loss that LeBron just dunked so badly on them, they have they just cannot even look at him and play basketball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, LeBron, LeBron makes it. He makes it his job to just publicly humiliate that team, and it, it honestly, it's sad. It, it really is. It really is. Yeah, I mean, both them and the Pacers, and and honestly. Too, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it to you guys, but he's done it to the Celtics as of late too. So um, I don't. Whoa, whoa, I don't whoa! Think but we were different. Hey, he has since 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 he's come back to Cleveland, he he has dominated that team. Um, but uh, but I will say this: I don't feel like it's two things. One, you're dealing with a you're you're dealing with there's four guys that that were on that team last year that are on the team this year. Um, so you're dealing with a completely different group of guys, um, whereas, you know, with and, – and you were de- dealing with that it was, um, with Indiana, which is why I think it has a lot to do with why they were able to push him to seven. With Toronto, it's pretty much all the same guys who have never been able to get by him. And I think that, I think that, that psychological advantage is just – it's so huge for, for Cleveland mm-hmm. in, in that series, and I don't think they're going to have that against, um, against uh, Boston. So that that would be the big difference. Um, but anyway, let's let's move on. We gotta we gotta preview uh, the Western Conference Finals. Uh, so the Warriors and the Rockets both closed out a second round series in five games against their respective opponents, and they're set to play each other in the Western Conference Finals. Um, I don't really want to spend too much time talking about those respective series. Um, I mean, we pretty much just know the Warriors are better than uh, the Pelicans, um, and the Rockets are better than the Jazz. I mean, they both they both won those series pretty decisively. I think the Warriors were a little more impressive in in, in their victories, um, but nevertheless, like looking forward, we got the series that we all thought we were going to get: Warriors, Rockets. Uh, who do you like in this series, and why, uh, Luke? Okay, so well, I'm going to go Golden State, even though the way Houston's playing and I feel like the way that they could play and everything, just how they can shoot the ball, is just going to be an all-out, just who can outscore each other. But I just mm-hmm. still think Golden State's just the all-around, just has the better team. They're just going to have yep. the better players. Luckily for them, like now, yes, you do have a Chris Paul or James Harden. Like you said, you're going to have to have – to, like they're gonna have to play all lights out each game. I mean, what Paul did in the closeout game was just phenomenal. Just the at the yeah. end of the second half, where I think he <clears throat> assisted or scored fifteen of the last fifteen points. I think he scored eleven assists, and then at the end of the game, he scored like fifteen straight points. It was just like Chris Paul definitely continued, but I think Golden State just has the uh, just all around just more talent, which. Uh, even Iguodala, like to the Iguodala factor, I just like even he's gonna get you a lot of buckets that like going to now that would be their fifth man for Golden State. So going to mm-hmm. 
Houston's fifth man. I'm just I'm not really picking that fifth man over Iguodala. So I just think Golden oh, I State's going to have mm, I definitely would. I I like Houston's depth way more than I like Golden State's. It's just it's just the top, you know, the top tier of their talent is just better. Um, but but anyway, go ahead. But I just think I mean Houston Houston have home court advantage. Like uh, then again, I mean I think I'm going to go with the Golden State factor that they've been there before. But yeah. it's almost like how would like I want to go with the Celtics. Like how I say they're going to go to seven. I think this is going to go to seven. I think. No team's going to really win in six and all that. I mean, unless somehow Houston just falls apart very quickly in front of us. And we're like, oh, okay. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think Houston's actually a really good team and all that. So, uh, I think it's going to go seven. I'm just going to go with just Golden State been there before and all that. But then again, Houston, Houston could win it. They just – the way that they play, their team system really works. I mean, they're they're pretty good at defense. I mean, they're not – they're not great. They're gonna. They're, they do have a lot of. I think Bama Mute coming back is a huge, uh, like advantage for them defensively. They needed that. So it's just like you know, you, you have people. So I think in the end, Golden State will win it just because you got Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson that all can figure it out for you. That have been there, done that. So I think that's like it's like Draymond Green saying like. Golden State's mindset the whole time has been like, yo, dude, we just want to win another finals. We don't care about any other team. And so Rockets this whole year is like, we're going to get to the Western Conference finals and we're going to beat Golden State. Like, that's been their their big goal. Like, it's just like, it's mindsets are just completely different right now on like the two. So I just think Golden State's just going to somehow sneak it out. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely think Golden State is, is – definitely looking forward to this series. Like they want to they want to annihilate the Rockets. Like the Rockets have been kinda have been talking a little bit all season about, you know, I mean whether you know, you go back to Clint Capella and like mid season saying they were the better team. Um, you know, any, any kind of little things like that and yeah, so I mean I definitely think they want to go at them. Um I'm taking the Rockets in 7 though. Um and and most of this is just wishful thinking uh because I want to see I want to see some new blood and I feel like the Cavs are like I said probably going to win in that series. Um so I I, I don't want round 4 of Golden State kicking the shit out of the Cavs. Um, I would, I would really, I really hope Houston wins. Um, I think Houston Cavs would make for a fun series. I think Houston would inevitably win it, um, but I do think it would make for a really fun series. Um, I, I, I don't, like I said, with the same thing with the last pick. I don't have a lot of confidence in it. Um, I think I, I, I'm certainly not, not sold on on the Rockets being the better team. But I will say this: I, I you said that. You know, you're not sure about their fifth guy. I am very sure about their fifth, sixth, and seventh guy. Um, because, I mean, honestly, you look at their, their you know, I, I would say three best players are Harden, uh, CP3, and Clint Capella. And then you go down the rest of their lineup, you got Trevor Ariza, you got Eric Gordon, you got P.J. Brown, you got Bob Mute. Like, those are seven guys that are just good NBA players. Like, they're all at least great at something. Uh, and, you know, their defense is, is so much better this season. Like, they I, – I would agree with you. They're not like an elite defensive team, but they're a 
better than good, like borderline great defensive team. Um, they, like they just have the the bodies to throw at people. Uh, I think it'll be really interesting I, to see how they use PJ Tucker in this series um, because I mean he's so versatile. He can guard so many different positions. He's kind of like an older version of like a Marcus Smart. Um, he's maybe an inch taller, but he's got like a very similar build and he's very scrappy defensively. Um, so like they can put him on Draymond if need be, they can put him on, uh, Clay Thompson. Uh, they could even put him on Curry. Um, I wouldn't really want to put him on Katie just because of the height advantage, but you could. Um, I think Bahamute is the guy that you want to try to match up there. Uh, Bahamute and Trevor Ariza because Ariza is just a little bit taller. He's got a little more reach. Um, and, and, you know, he's not quite as strong as Tucker, so you might as well take advantage of Tucker's strength against a guy like Draymond. Um, so that, I think that'll be very interesting to see how that, that kind of plays out. Um, I don't think there's, uh, like, a, an innate coaching advantage. Um, like, I, I think D'Antoni is one of, one of the best coaches who hasn't won it all yet. Um, I think that would be the only knock on him is that he – he, you know, his, his teams have never been able to win at all. Um, but I wouldn't say that any of his teams have ever been favored um, to win, win at all. I mean, the Suns teams were really good, but I don't – it's tough for me to remember back that far, but I, I don't feel like – I don't feel like they were ever they, – they, you know, like they obviously were the one seed for, for several seasons, but I don't feel like they, any of us really thought that they were going to win at all against, you know, the Spurs. Um, like that, it's just, just, you know, you're going to get Popovich. Um, so like, yeah, I don't know. I, I but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Houston. I'm going to stick with my guns before the playoffs started. I said Cavs and Houston, and then I wavered a little bit when Philly you know, like played so well. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going with Philly. Uh, and that ended up costing me. Um, so I'm going to go back to what I originally said, and that's going to be uh, Cavs and Houston. But, uh, Juwan, I have one quick wrong. thing real quick. Oh, sure. Can I go one quick thing? I'm sorry, Juwan. No worries. Uh, the only reason I'm – okay, so I've been the whole time I've been Rockets, Celtics, because, you know what I mean, I've been with you. I think the Rockets have a better bench. Like, real, the Golden State's bench this year has just been skeptical to me in my mind. They've not been the Golden State bench we've been used to, and I, that's yeah. why – but. What really changed my mind, and it was my buddy and I, like, went back and kind of, like, watched the game and all that. I'm sorry, but that loss in Houston to the Jazz is just really big in my mindset. Like, they showed a lot, like, wow, like, you're supposed to be Houston that, like, you won all these games and all that. You cannot be losing. Like, Like, Golden State, yeah, you can lose on the road. That's fine, whatever. They just must have a win, but... That loss, I, I like, and I like, I went back and watched it, kind of watched the game, and like, what the Jazz was able to do. I'm like, man, if the the Jazz was able to do this on your own home court, I like, I just didn't see, and that's why I was, I didn't, I like, yeah, I, I'll go like the fifth, like Houston has just a complete like better bench right now, but I'm just meant like mindset been there right now. Iguodala has been an MVP. He just like he just been in these situations before, and I'm just saying like situational wise. I would choose. I mean, you have three of the best. I, Draymond's just, I just, I hate him, but he's just Draymond. And then, and then, and then you got Iguodala. So, but that's the reason I hopped on because I've been with you the whole time. I like, I was Houston Celtics, but it was just rethinking and re really watching that game and just seeing what the Jazz were able to do. I just was completely like, that's why I was just like, okay, and now I'm giving back the edge to Golden State, 
even sure. with home court advantage. Because I think in seven, if you lost that game, which is in two, I think you could lose a very pivotal game seven game in your own arena just because Steph, Clay, or Durant went off, or two of them went off on you in the fourth quarter, and it was just like, there's nothing we could do. Like, we, we it's a high scoring game. It's like a 123. 116. Like, we try to keep up with them in points, but these guys are just ridiculous what they were doing at that moment of time. Yeah, yeah I mean, and I, I feel you. Like, my 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 gut tells me to pick Golden State, and I even I even said this after uh, the, their game one against the Pelicans, when they just annihilated the Pelicans, who had just swept, uh, you know, the Blazers. Um, like, I it literally, I felt like, like, it made me sick because I was like, God, nobody can beat them. Like they, like I, they've been, they've been fucking around all season, but when they want to play, like nobody can beat them. Um, but I'm just going to dial my hill, man. Like I'm going to fucking, I picked the Rockets. I'm going to fucking stick with the Rockets. Like, um, and you know, I'm, I'll probably be wrong, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with, with who I picked at the start. And I'm just going to, going to trust that, you know, both CP3 and James Harden can turn it on together, and that you know Clay Thompson kind of goes cold, um, and they kind of frustrate KD, and and Draymond, you know, becomes it's put into a situation where he's tested, and you know he he becomes more of a negative than a positive. You know, I mean, it it takes it's going to take the perfect set of circumstances, um, but I, I'm. I fucking made my bed and I'm lying in it. Uh, but anyway, Juan, um, what are your thoughts on this series? Uh, <clears throat> we discussed it before, Nick. I said the only way Houston wins is if you can get Harden to average 28 and uh, – I mean, not 28, I'm sorry, 30 and 8. And you can get yeah. Chris Paul to average at least 15 or 20 and 10. Um, yeah, 20, I think it would take 20, 20 and 10. Points. Yeah, 20 and 10. Uh, the reason yeah. why I'm going with Golden State, and to your point about uh, how good Houston's defense is, this is the best defense Mike D'Antoni has ever had. Uh, and I remember, because I'm a huge Steve Nash fan, so I remember yeah. those Phoenix years um, with the Rajah Bells and the Boris Diaz and the Amaris. Uh, I still think mm-hmm. this year is the more complete defense. Uh, rather than just having like one or two players, it's a better complete defense. Um, but I could be wrong, so I, I'll, I'll stress that. But I think this, I think he only had maybe one other year that might have been uh, better than this year defensively. Um, but the only reason I'm going with Golden State is because I, I heard what you guys said about Ariza, P.J. Tucker, Bob Mute. There's just no one that can stop Durant. There's someone that can guard him, but we saw LeBron guard Durant, and he still averaged 30. Um, th- there's just no one that can stop him. I just I don't see that person in that Houston uh, lineup. So although you might get Chris Paul to maybe slow down Steph, maybe you get a few different people to slow down uh, Steph and Clay. Um, but I'm sorry, I don't see I don't see Durant uh, scoring less than 25 in either of the in any of the games that they that he plays uh, against Houston in this series, however long it goes. Um, so I have I'm going to go ahead and say I have. Warriors and five, um, because right. I do feel as though I, I feel as though I feel as though the moment will get to uh, Chris Paul and Harden, like it usually always does. Um, yep. 
You were big Jacob, on that and, I don't miss- and and you were big on on the same thing with Lowry and DeRozan, and that came to fruition. So, yeah. So I, I'm going to remain consistent on that as much as I love Harden, and it seemed like all year, like I, I was, you know, uh, super LeBron and, and like super against James Harden. That's not the case. I love James Harden. I'm actually playing with him in 2K right now. Um, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I feel like Golden State just there's no one in the West right now. Uh, I told you guys the only people I thought in the West that could beat Golden State was a fully healthy Pelicans, like a DeMarcus Cousins and AD fully healthy. Just because they could destroy them in the paint. Just because there's no one that can guard them in that paint. Just no one. Yeah. Uh, without DeMarcus, we see they completely change their game plan. Like, they were making AD do do mid-range. He took a, a few threes, and it was just like, nah, you got to put him in a paint and just let him work. Um, but back to this series, um, Golden State, I'm picking them in, in, in five. I believe Durant's going to have huge games uh, in his route to getting possibly – uh, if they play Cleveland, Grant will get his second title. If they play Boston, I'm staying consistent that Boston will do it. And Brad Stevens will prove that he is hands down the best coach in the NBA by winning uh, his first title with all these young kids. Man, that would be, that'll be crazy. That would be so fucking crazy. And everyone was talking about could Philly be that team. And everybody been overlooking been overlooking these, these Celtics. Um I want to ask you uh, this real quick before you leave us, uh, Luke, and also just, you know, um, any final thoughts that you have on these series. Um, But in particular, what would you think, say, let's say you take Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson off this Houston team and you put put in their place LeBron James and Kyle Korver. Does that team, do you think that team beats, Golden State. Hypothetically, next season. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I want to say so? no just because I feel like Eric Gordon, what he means to that second unit is just a lot. And LeBron just going to the first unit, so he's not really helping out your bench. And what Eric Gordon can do. As a sixth man, I mean, he could have won it this year, but if Lou Williams was having so, I like, but LeBron just being on any team, just being able to play with, like, with two phenomenal superstars, so you'd be matching one through three with the Golden State. Then now it's coming down to your four. I don't know, man. Now, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would do it. I mean, essentially, I would LeBron would play the power forward, like. So I mean, yeah. I mean, you 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 would essentially have. CP3, James Harden, Trevor Ariza, um, LeBron, and Capella with a bench of Kyle Korver, P.J. Tucker. Um, in my in my little scenario, uh, in that three-way trade, it involved Mello. Um, so you, you could potentially have Mello as, as your backup power forward. You don't want Mello. Um, no, no, no. Just let, let I, Mello be you, some Mello. I'm not, uh, uh, hey, man. I'm not, I'm not saying that you do, but I'm just saying, like, like let LeBron let LeBron win one for both his boys, like the Banana Boat Crew. I don't think I don't think Wade's leaving Miami now, but like, but you know, if you could get Melo, like, even if he played like ten minutes a game, because I mean, I agree. I mean, I, ultimately, I think you would rather like you'd rather use your money, um, like your your player exception, 
um, just re-sign Bob Mute and keep him because he's, he's or Gerald Green. I'd rather, I'd rather have Gerald Green back. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. But say. if you had Corver, if you had Corver, you wouldn't necessarily need Gerald Green. Um, so you know that 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 would be my my mindset there. You need you need a defender, um, and that would be Bob Mute. Um, but so let's just say Bob Mute is backing up LeBron, and then and then Nene backing up Capella. Um, and man, I don't know. That's a that's a great nine man rotation right there. It's a great nine man rotation, but uh, like it would, I I think it would win just because I Golden State's just bench. Like what I think is going to come to Golden State demise is the just them having too many superstars with already having way too big a contract. Clay Thompson's about to come up and. They're just their mm-hmm. bench has been depleted. It's just old, and that's what I feel like is going to be Golden State's complete demise. It's just yeah. way too much money already tied up. Old bench that's already has some money, and Clay want to do so. That's gonna. So I feel like, yeah, Houston would be better. I just fear that everything Eric Gordon means to your second unit, you might run into. Uh, a typical LeBron team that he always runs into. Like, he can have great teams and great starters, but sometimes his benches are just terrible, man. And, and like, don't yeah, get me wrong, they, like, oh, like, they're, they're, they play, they've been like, playing great. Yeah, Corver, I'm just saying, they've been playing great lately. Like, but Corver can knock down threes, and that's what you have Gordon Yeah, you can knock down threes. Like, Gordon knocks down threes like, Gordon does a little bit more. Line, but. <laughs> yeah, he does a, but he does a little bit more than just knock down threes first. That's what I'm saying. Like, he does help run. He like he 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 plays out there when you're either sitting Paul or Harden, but he's also kind of been like last year he was like that. But I don't know LeBron. Yes, LeBron going with Chris Paul and James Harden, they're gonna win a championship. I mean that's just the best. That that that'd be better than the Miami Big Three. I don't know actually. That's why I kind of stop right there because it's kind of hard. But that'd be his almost his second best team that he's ever played for. Like play, play talent wise yeah. with. Yeah, it, I, I think it would. I think it would be really interesting, and I think it's much needed because um, we, as, as much as you know, as much as we love parity, like throughout the whole league, we we don't have that right now, and it's not coming anytime soon. So we need we need a few super teams. So if we can get Boston and Philly in the East, and Rockets and Golden State in the West, that all have like an equal stack of talent, and then it just all comes down to you know, how, how the chips fall, like, I, I think that would be utterly terrific. I would love to see those four teams battle it out for the next, you know, three, four, five seasons. Um, and just, you know, essentially that's – we know that's going to be the matchup at the end of, you know, in, in the conference finals. But at least we don't know kind of how we feel like we know now that it's going to be Golden State when it's all said and done. Um we need some challengers. Uh, but anyway, uh, Luke, any final thoughts before you head out, man? Um, I think it's going to be a really good East and West of Conference final. I don't see any of them running short. I, I do feel like they're going to go seven each way. But the only one that could come back and bite me is if one doesn't go, it's it, it would be, I'm going to go to one, it would be the Rockets somehow <laughs> losing in five. And it's being like, yeah. man, Houston, jeez, like, can you do this? But, but I, I am deep down in my heart. I feel like we're gonna have some great basketball right now. And uh, the lottery draft is next Tuesday. 
and yep. go with a wild card and go that Phoenix does not get the number one pick because somehow I feel that like the NBA body. <laughs> I feel like the, the the lottery is rigged and all that, and they're just wanting to punish a team that's been tanking, and this is the last year they can do it. <laughs> and then they give one more big fuck you to Phoenix and give them the second pick overall, and it's going to go to your team. The Atlanta Hawks are going to get a number one pick because they need another big market, and Atlanta's bigger than Phoenix. I hate to tell you out there in Phoenix, but Atlanta's a bigger market, and they see what Atlanta's have with Atlanta United, the Braves, the Falcons. They're going to give it to Atlanta, and this is going to, I hope to God, this is the pick that turns your franchise around, man, and it's not another Marvin Williams, and that's what I'm going to leave you on. Oh, God. So you can kind of think about it like that. Or you do a Dominique Wilkins because the last one, last first pick you've had was Dominique, so either going back to Fayum or Marvel It's interesting. The Hawks have actually never had a number one overall pick. Dominique was drafted by the Jazz, and, like, there was some some weird behind-the-scenes stuff, and we traded for him. Um, So, like, we've never officially gotten a number one overall pick. So... We deserve it, man. We deserve it, and, and we haven't been taking. We've been, we've been a, we've been offering the NBA quality basketball for the last ten years. We had the longest streak of making the playoffs, um, uh, short of the, of course, the San Antonio Spurs before this year. Um, so yeah, man, fuck yeah. I, I like, I like where your head's at, Luke. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. But uh, hey, until next week, man. I'm. Uh, I'm getting ready for this draft. I'm ready to see what we got, and uh, I think we'll have a fun one next week with uh, doing uh, finally figuring out what our order is for all the teams. Indeed, yeah, the mock draft's going to be fun. All right, brother, uh, take care, and we'll see you next Thursday. All right, peace out, y'all. Peace, peace. peace. All right, Jawan. So let's let's. Yes, what, you, well, do you have any more final thoughts on this Western Conference before we we roll it back to? Uh, couple earlier no I just I just want to stick on the fact that I'm sticking to um the fact that Golden State are winning five okay hey man I I don't think that's that far-fetched um honestly um I think me picking the Rockets is way more (laughs) far-fetched but hey man (laughs) like I said you know I'm I'm gonna stick with my pick um even if even if I feel like my gut's telling me differently. Um, I wanted I wanted to get your opinion on this. So Dwayne Casey, he, he was voted coach of the year by a group of his peers, the Nas- National Basketball Coaches Association. Um, Brett mm-hmm. Brown, Mike D'Antoni, Greg Popovich, Nate McMillan, Quinn Snyder, Terry Stotts, and Doc Rivers all also received at least one vote. Brad Stevens didn't get one fucking vote. What the fuck is up with that shit? Well, I mean, listen, <laughs> I'm not shocked. I told you how, to this day, I'm livid that that year Melo got the Knicks 50 wins. He got one measly vote. One. One. And that was some, possibly the best basketball all around, offense and defense, Melo has ever played. Um, but, no, it, it just goes to show you that, that the uh, – your peers, I guess, view it differently. Um, I mean, like I like I told you guys when I picked Dwayne Casey that that one uh, that one time we were picking um, midseason uh, awards. I said yeah, he it was did our third quarter awards, and I picked him too, and they were on a roll at the time. 
Like they were, right, but, they, but, they fell off at the end of the season. They came back down to 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 ground. Right, but at that point, it was just like, think about this. They were starting the year. Cavs before they even played a game had Isaiah. You know he was going to come back later on, but that team looked stacked. Boston looked stacked. Um, you know a couple other teams looked a lot more promising um, than the Raptors. So for Dwayne Casey, and this again, this is what the mindset of before anyone had ever dribbled uh, the ball to start the season. Everyone just looked better than the Raptors. They just did. Like the Raptors are coming into the season with a bunch of yeah. young guys. And I went back I, and I didn't look. I had them fifth. I had them fifth. Right. The so, so you had them at fifth. I'm pretty sure I had them super low just because I hate Kyle Lowry. Um, but, um, <laughs> I think I want to say you had them fourth. I think you had them fourth actually. That sounds. But maybe you were. Maybe that was Joe Lowry. Maybe you had them fifth. <laughs> I, I probably know. had them lower than that. Um, again, no one really thought the Raptors were going to be able to do anything regular season or playoffs. So for Dwayne Casey to take that team um, that looked like it was middle of the road at best and lead them to a number one seed, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely see how how uh, the other coaches would see that and go, yeah, I give it up to this guy. I mean, Brad Stevens for majority of the season had Kyrie. Um, and we already we – are, I think everyone already sees him as possibly the best head coach in the league. So I think that what impressed them uh, them about Dwayne Casey more was not the level of difficulty, but just no one believed in them. Like, the guys right. who voted for Dwayne Casey probably didn't think Dwayne Casey was going to be the number one team in the East. Yeah, so, I and mean, I get that, I, but here's, I get here's it, my but thing, though, Juwan. Yeah, here's my thing, and and Luke kind of echoed this sentiment earlier. Like, whatever, it's you know, it's it's a it, it, it's not even the official coach of the year, so. You know, I mean, there's right. that. I mean, we're, we're going to get that later. Um, but nevertheless, it's whatever who wins. It doesn't matter. My thing and what Luke was saying, too, is, like, how does he not get one fucking vote? Like, there ain't any well, other coach I mean, out there who, who says, like, yeah, like, just look at what Brad Stevens has been able to achieve when he only got 75% of uh, games with Kyrie. Kyrie played 60 games yeah. with 82 in a season. And he got five minutes out of Gordon Hayward. And you look at what he's been able to do with his team. Like, I mean, they were fighting for the one seed up until, like, six games left in the season or five or maybe what? Yeah. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. You know you know how much I want Brad Stevens to win that. <laughs> Jason Tatum to sneak in for rookie of the year and what's his name to get executive of well, the year. Well, so he's I, putting I, it together. I tell you this much, hey, if if, if – Awards included the playoffs like they should, um, because mm-hmm. let's face it, they should. Um, I think yeah. Jason Tatum would have a damn good fucking argument for Rookie of the Year. Um, but because Absolutely. it's regular season only, it's going to go to Ben Simmons, maybe Donovan Mitchell, but I doubt it. Um, right. But I mean, you look at, I mean, you look at Tatum. Both Tatum and Mitchell have outplayed Ben Simmons in these playoffs. I mean, it's just it's point of fact, <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, I'm with you, but. Like I was saying, I mean, you know, uh, you know, you know how much I want Boston to sweep up in these awards and you know yeah. pretty much to win it all. But I get how the coaches could see uh, see what Dwayne Casey did and appreciate that more than uh, than what Brad Stevens did. I, I could absolutely see that, and I I heard this a lot from a lot of people. I don't think it's it's jealousy um, from around the league. I really don't think it's that. I just purely think. 
Uh, they were super impressed with what Dwayne Casey is, was able to do with these Raptors that, again, a lot of people thought would be middle of the road at best. Um, so I think it just comes down to that. Do I agree with it? Of course not. <laughs> of course I want Brad Stevens to get it. But part of me and a little bit of you thought at some point this season Dwayne Casey deserved uh, a nod at, at Coach of the Year. So I'm going to hang on to that that idea and not really – hold the playoffs against them. Cause like you told me, uh, the, the, um, the voting takes place before, uh, you know, the, the playoffs uh, are over. So it's yep. like, you don't even really count the playoffs. So I'm not going to hold that against them. I'm holding the regular season against them. And albeit maybe towards the end, they kind of slipped off a little bit. I still look at what he was able to accomplish over the course. And with that team and I go, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I could see it. You know what you know what ended up really changing my mind on that, and I mentioned this to you before, was not only did you know, like we said, they, they fell off on the last like fourth quarter of the season, uh, like the last twenty ish games. But um Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer uh essentially said, Are you really like are you really gonna give a coach that much credit? for saying we need to move the ball more and shoot more threes. Like, <laughs> when, like right. I just, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think like that. That's so obvious. I mean, and granted, like, well, I mean, like implementing it, it is, is different and getting your, your, your team to buy into it. And obviously it took, it took like half the season for like Kyle Lowry to really buy into it. Um, Cause he, I mean, he got a lot less shots this year. He, um, you know, was not, um, he, his stats were way down this year as, as opposed to last year's, but it translated into more wins. Um, and I'm sure you have your own theory as to why Kyle Lowry's shooting <laughs> less translates into more wins. Um, but <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, like I'm, I'm not, I can't give you that much credit for taking a blueprint that you're you're pretty much five years late on. Well, I mean, again, this I do not disagree with you, but. At the end of the day, again, even even with us, uh, with the idea of him tweaking it and, you know, doing a few things a lot differently with this Raptors team, we still didn't think Dwayne Casey was going to be able to get uh, the number one seed. Very true. You can tell me Very Dwayne true. Casey went and got Michael Jordan, and I would still say he's going to find a way for that team to be a middle-of-the-road team. So the fact that he was able to implement a new scheme, a new plan, get his guys to buy in, and then for yeah. it to succeed and translate to regular season win in the number one seed. Again, I can see how that <laughs> means something. And you know what's funny? The number one seed what? came back to bite him in the ass because Cleveland exactly. got the four seed. Uh, like you if they had been crazy? the two seed and they had to play Philly, I would have given them a chance. I would still take Philly, but it, I would have. they would have at least funny? won a few games and had a chance. You know what's funny? I actually what? think it's a lose-lose for them because I remember I told you if you're the if you're Philly, you're not concerned about having to play the Raptors. I honestly, yeah. and this is again, no, this is not me trying to be like funny about this at all. I really think the Sixers could have swept the Raptors. I really do, because uh, I don't see Valachunas. I don't see Dwayne Casey creating a team oh, yeah, to make Valachunas uh, uncomfortable. On, on like indeed would be oh my god, yeah, yeah that would have been yeah. nasty. Um, so yeah, you're right. That's, that's my biggest you're, thing. 
you're right, and Rocco could have could have guarded um, DeRozan, and you'd have Ben Simmons on on um, Lowry, and yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to say they get swept, but but Sixers probably would have won that series too. I don't know. Um, I tell you what, we we all thought Embiid would have one of those huge games to keep this series going. I guarantee yeah. you, Embiid has at least three of those games in that series. Probably. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I would say definitely. I just don't know if it would be in four games is all I'm saying. Um, yeah, but, uh, but anyway, off-season, we got about eight minutes, a little less. Um, off-season, what do you want to see happen, just in a nutshell? Uh, well, with, with anybody, because... Yeah, what one or two things do you really want to see happen in the offseason? Well, Joakim Noah not be on my team. Uh, that That's one. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> the Knicks actually I mean, you get could, a – like, like I said earlier this year, you, you might be able to trade in for Chandler Parsons. <laughs> I mean, at least, at least Chandler Listen, Parsons can I'll play the – I mean, well, I mean, he costs you more money, though. Um, but at least he can play I'll the four while Kristaps – because Kristaps probably – I mean, there was a report that came out um, a couple of days ago that said he uh, – I think um, um, uh, uh, Clyde Frazier um, came out and said that he would be surprised if KP plays a game next season, which well, honestly not makes just sense him, to me. Our, not just him, our idiot owner, Dolan, came yeah. out and said – he he's not sure if Kristaps will play, and it's like, hey, yeah, yeah, remember this, dude. The only reason people would spend money to come see the Knicks is for the idea of Kristaps. So the, right, quit so that. you shouldn't say that <laughs> before season that. ticket holders purchase yeah. their tickets. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you got I'm like, wait a minute. Point. I don't think. Yeah, because I'm like, wait I, a minute. See, I, I think will be rebuilding. I, think, so. I feel like Madison Square Garden is kind of like Chicago, though. Like Chicago had the best attendance all all season, and I they, agree. they suck. So like I, I don't know I don't uh, I don't know where MSG ranked in the, in that um in that list uh but I I feel like I feel like MSG is never gonna have a problem really selling selling yeah, tickets they won't it, but it, nevertheless I do, I do get your point um but no I mean I really, also, yeah let's just let's just let's just talk about the Knicks here for a second okay. we got about five minutes um and and I know you always want to talk about the Knicks. Um, so what, what do you think the Knicks should do next season? Do you, let me let me say this: if you didn't have to give up too much, would it be worth trading for Kimba? You get Kimba. You, now you we're gonna assume you don't have KT next season, or you don't get him back till late, so you're not a playoff team. But you get Kimba. But if you trade for Kimba, you have to give up something for him, and then you're faced with the position of. Again, Kimba's going to win you at least ten games. I think you right. just tank it. I think you just fucking straight up you 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 draft who you think is going to be the best player for your team, and then you just fucking fully tank for the year. Uh, you play all your young guys. You try to move Courtney Lee. Um, I've thrown it out to you and Joel time and time again. Like it, it when Paul Pier- or Paul Pierce when Paul George leaves, you say, hey, we'll give you. Courtney Lee, OKC straight up for Abrinas and Singler because they're both expiring, and then we open up cap space in 2019. 
Um, I, I mean, I honestly, I really do. I think you just do that. You draft a, you draft a wing, whether it be Miles Bridges or Mikhail Bridges, um, or even Kevin Knox. Like you draft, you know, whoever's available uh, at eight, um, and just just play your young guys, tank, get another top pick, bring him in, try to sign somebody big in 2019, um, and get KP healthy. Uh, but what do you think? I mean, would you go after Kimba? Would you want to try to get Kimba even if it cost you, say, five spots in the in the lottery? Ah, see that that I don't know. If you're telling me somebody like if you're telling me Charlotte would do Kimba for Frank, I would do that. I would do that in a heartbeat. Only mm-hmm. because I think our best chance of attracting free agents is for them to see that we're trending upward. And I think right. if, if you're showing free agents that all you're doing is going out and getting younger and younger, um, you know, they, they, they'll kind of go like, all right, it worked in Boston, it worked in Philly, but you have totally different players and coaching uh, going on right. over there. Um, mm-hmm. as, much, as, as much confidence as I have in Fisdale, we have to see what he's able to do. And I can't yeah. judge his first year. Um, yeah. I'll never judge a new coach's first year. You, you just came into a heap sure. of mess, and now you have to sort through it. Um, yep. But if I'm them, I would trade for Kemba, and what I would do is I would try to, to, to shoot for the playoffs because if with Kemba and let's say whoever this draft pick is, if this draft pick can be, like, ready to go now, I don't know because you guys know I'm not that big into college basketball. Um, yeah, yeah. But if they can do that, let's say the Knicks made the AFC, they get knocked out in four games. If I'm a free agent, I would go. I could see me entering that with Kemba and Kate and uh, Chris Stops coming back we could maybe make some noise. Um, so, I mean, if I'm the Knicks, I have to look at it like that because one of the things Fizzo said is they want to make people afraid to play in the garden and they want to be able to attract free agents. So yep. if you just keep – Well, let like, me throw this out there. This... Go ahead. I'm sorry. If you, if you trade for Kimba, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have several players that are going to be free agents in 2019 and, that, and essentially the Knicks wouldn't have the cap space. But – you have several players with player options who could opt in and request a trade to the Knicks. Um, player that has been thrown out there who wants to play in a big market is Kawhi Leonard. Um, so, like, if you trade for Kimba and then, you know, you, you, you show that you, you can play well, you get, a, you get another young prospect, um, you trade off Courtney Lee, um, Maybe you find yourself in a situation where you can package something for like a Kawhi Leonard or a Jimmy Butler, and then you're looking at, say, you know, Kimba, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, one of those wing players, KP, and then you re-sign Cantor or, you know, figure out what you want to do for center. That's a pretty damn good team. Right. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I can you. see that. I can see that. I, I, I honestly kind of think maybe – you just tank this season though, and and then you you just straight out like you clear cast space, and then you just sign Kimba in in, in the you know um, next See, season. I don't. Because they'll don't, be a free agent. How uh, when's Kimba's when is Kimba's contract up? Next year. Uh, it, he's got one next, more year left in the yeah in the, the two thousand. I would rather. Yeah. I would rather if we can rent him in the off season. Like if we could trade for if we could trade Frank for him, you're better at, at, at trades than than I am because I don't know all the numbers and everything. Oh, you could. But like, let's well, say you could easily do it. You could easily do it. I mean, it would just be Frank and like 
you know, if if Kyle O'Quinn opts in and 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 you know, um, uh, what's his name, the Ron Baker opt in, those those three guys, that would add up to the money you would need. We got thirty seconds to be Perfect. Quick. Okay, so if we could do that, I, I would like to rent Kemba and then try to make the play for for Kawhi, sign Kawhi, um, and let Kemba go, and then use that money to maybe go after somebody else. Um, that that would be the biggest thing I would want to do because I would love to keep Moutier and and Trey Burke is is my guards going forward. Interesting. Um, but before yeah, we, I, I hear you. Hey, we, 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 we gotta go. We gotta go. Um, right. <laughs> join us on next Monday. Uh, 9 o'clock for the next episode of Full Court Press. Sunday, uh, 5 o'clock, 8 o'clock. I don't know what fucking time it's going to be, but uh, Geek Vibes Live uh, will be on at some point on Sunday. Uh, So join us then. Uh, Until then, peace. Peace.